the show as we start the 4 o'clock hour. Tonight, it is Kings basketball as the Sacramento Kings getting ready to take on the New Orleans Pelicans. <clears throat> Coming up at the bottom of the hour, Daniel Salerson, New, or- uh, New Orleans Pelicans pre-half and post host and radio analyst will give us the very latest of what's going on with the Pelicans who come in with just one win. Kings beat them last Friday. Sacramento trying to get their second win of this early season against New Orleans and really get going here on their home court because I think that's an area that could really truly help them is if they could start to thrive at home and you know schedule wise it's always dangerous to do this to do that schedule game and look ahead Um, but it's a little bit more favorable I would say than the first seven coming up but you got to play them and hopefully you stay healthy and you you know keep things that are going well like Barnes and and Holmes uh, playing so well like buddies roll off the bench Let's even get the other things going, like De'Aaron Fox certainly would help this team uh, quite a bit. Um, again, also one hour from now, too, a lot of football conversation with Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. In a few moments, we're going to get our weekly appearance from our favorite Raider, Lincoln Kennedy, former Raider and current Raiders analyst, and look forward to talking to Lincoln. And I know uh, we got plenty to share with him because of what's gone on in Raiderland, really. Uh, they were able to overcome one really trying time this year when – their figurehead, their head coach, John Gruden, uh, for cause, right, removed from the Raider organization. And Rich Passaccia has done a really nice job in the last two weeks keeping the team together, same with the team leadership. And they played a couple of good football games. And now they get an opportunity this week against the Giants, a team that's on a short week while the Raiders have gone through a bye, extra time. But the extra time has allowed them to be out and about and making some bad decisions, some awful life-changing decisions, literally, for Henry Ruggs, not only for him, but the young lady's life uh, who he took senselessly with that uh, fatal crash a couple days ago in Vegas. So we'll talk to Lincoln about that. But there's plenty of things going on in the NFL. And really, and just thinking kind of from the Raiders' perspective, if you look at the week ahead, uh, we had told you kind of where the Raiders were a few weeks ago. If they could somehow galvanize and come together and find a way uh, to win that game a couple weeks ago when they took on Denver. And they did. Uh, That was really important for them to win in Denver the first time after John Gruden followed it up uh, with a win against the Eagles and both, you know, pretty comfortable wins. And they got it in the way the Raiders would want to get these wins, right, where they're scoring a good amount. I still think that's the strength of their team, keeping the uh, opposing team in that 20 range and scoring 30 plus. So, you know, the Raiders did that. They get to the bye. That's exactly what they wanted. And then you look at the standings overall. They got help last weekend. I know Denver and Kansas City did win. But I still think at the moment, the Chargers are the biggest threat. And they lost. They've lost a couple in a row. Still a good football team, but they're 4-3. and three. So you've made it through seven games. And the Raiders, right now, 5-2. and two, For the most part, pretty healthy. And they're on top of the division. And you have a favorable game this week against the Giants. Now, it's tough to go across country. Uh, we always know that. But you also watch, what's, what are the other teams going to do this week? If we kind of check that now with today's news, I don't think it helps the Raiders because I thought the Chiefs were going into a really difficult game at home this weekend, the, the highlighted game with the Packers, but finding out now about Aaron Rodgers being out of the game because of COVID uh, restrictions and COVID protocols. I mean, that is the piece, right? How, what would we think about the Chiefs without Mahomes? They got other weapons. Packers have other weapons, but Rodgers makes those weapons. And I just think this will be a much better setup now for Kansas City, who I was not impressed with on Monday. It really wasn't. They won. That's the important thing. But they didn't look very good in the win, and it looks broken. It doesn't look right. They still haven't clicked. I think people still think it's going to happen, but it hasn't happened. 
for them. And the longer that takes place and the more wins the Raiders can get, again, I'm sitting here today thinking the Raiders are nice. I don't think they're great. I don't think they are. But let other teams fall by the wayside. Let other teams make the mistakes. I do believe the Chargers will win in Philly this week. But could you get a break and somehow a surprise there? Maybe. What you can't do is spoil one yourself, right, against uh, the Giants. Uh, As far as the Broncos, they're underdogs. Can they win in Dallas? Sure. Don't think they will. They're also the team that's made a move to move uh, Vaughn Miller, um, a guy that uh, the Raiders are probably pleased that he's no longer uh, part of that orange crush in the the Broncos' defense. So they made a couple of moves. They have a tough matchup. The Chiefs had a tough matchup. It's less difficult. Uh, You know, Jordan Love, what an opportunity. You draft a guy in the first round. What can you do? Can you prove it? And then uh, certainly for the Chargers, they get the Eagles this week. So um, we'll see. We'll see if the Raiders can keep things keep things going. All right, with that said, let's do it. Let's check in with Lincoln Kennedy. Well, we always love checking in with former Raider, current Raider analyst Lincoln Kennedy joining us here. Lincoln, let's at least start with something fun because uh, we got some serious stuff to get into, unfortunately, with the, the Raiders. But uh, when we talked last week, the Kennedy House uh, was getting ready to have a pretty festive Halloween. How'd that all go? It worked out pretty well. Um, uh, took the kids up to my restaurant in, in Vegas. Uh, we had a little bit of a mini costume party. There were a lot of patrons as well as the staff all showed up and, and dressed. And, uh, you know, we had some great food and some good times. So it, it worked out pretty well. Best costume you saw that night? The best costume I saw, oh, uh, was had to be, oh, gosh, you know, what's in the, the – from one of the Disney movies, the oh, one of the witches. One, of the, I, I'm drawing a blank. I, I, I think it was Haggard or something like that. Okay. I know one of the yeah, one of the witches from the Disney movie. I'm drawing a blank on her name right now, but I had it at the time. I thought she looked absolutely amazing. You know, she was all dolled up and looked looked apart. Um, but I'm, I'm trying. I can't. I just forgot her name well, right the, now. The key is going all in. She went for it, so that's good. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. That's that's a, that's a good thing. You know, we we, we take life so seriously sometimes yeah. that it's good to just be able to relax and you know let your hair down and enjoy the moment. And and Halloween is one of those times. Well, of course, even being a Raider fan, you know, you have the <laughs> every weekend it seems Halloween on Hagenberger when we are in Oakland. And so yep. hey, you always have people dressing up, but it, it's it's definitely fun when everybody gets involved. Well, uh, there's no good transition here to this serious story, unfortunately, Lincoln, as uh, the team was away. They had a chance, which was important. Get away. uh, Don't think about football. Now it's getting ready for the next game. And then the news that happened overnight last night uh, or the day before, um, just terrible with Henry Ruggs on multiple levels. One, uh, a life was lost. That's the most important thing. Now lives are changed, certainly for him and others. Um, Just a horrific scene where he was driving just absorbent miles per hour under the influence uh, Raiders have released him. Um, not so much about uh, – take us now to what – I mean, Ruggs was a teammate, a friend, a brother yeah, for these yeah, guys. Yeah. Uh, they have to go on and play. That's – how? How do you do that? You know, when you have something that is as serious as the loss of life and then the eventual release, um, because Ruggs was their number one draft choice, you know, a year ago, it was one of those instances where, you know – you expected him to be around for quite some time, and and now he's not there. Now it's the the, the the small factor is that he's not in the locker room, but I mean his life is forever changed. Um, it, it's one of those things where I, I can't really fathom how you how it would feel in that locker room, especially with the guys who are close to him, if, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's one of those things where you want to try to put it behind you. You want to start looking forward to the Giants. You want to talk about the Giants. You want to talk about the second half of the season. Um, but at the same point, you know, you cannot lose sight of the fact that somebody, one of your brothers in the locker room is no longer there. Um, and, and, you know, he's taking the life of somebody. That, that will forever hang over your head because there will be questions. Um, that will be asked by beat writers and reporters, all of, you know, and, and whether it affects the game plan, whether it affects going forward. You know, you lost a valuable asset to this team. Somebody was really growing and doing well on, on, the, on, the, on the football field. You lost it to a sense of tragedy off the football field. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I don't even want to compare the two, but I'm thinking about the stuff they had to go through earlier with John Gruden. John Gruden's life will go on. You know, Ruggs, one, his life will go on, but it's going to be completely different. And I don't know, you know, legality, we're going to wait and see how all that all goes for him. But a, this young woman's life will not. And just the fact that someone took someone's life and that was your t- I just, yeah, the games go on, but I really think this is going to be a challenge for them this weekend. It is. It's going to be a challenge. And you know what? It's, you know, we'll address it as, as it comes. But I know that guys just want to go out there and do what they can do because you can't do anything about it. You can't control it. You can only hope that. The lesson is taken to heart. And what guys like me have always tried to preach when I was in the locker room, if you go out and hang out, be responsible, and, and don't take, you know, senseless chances. And in this instance, you know, I feel bad for, for Henry because his life is going to forever be affected by this, uh, not just his, you know, his football career, but his entire life altogether. All yeah, so the Raiders have to try try to go on, and then, you know, this feels trivial now, but by releasing him, mean, he was, as you said, a draft pick, a guy that was starting to come around for them, a person that they utilized. Um, they also have to move on there, and I don't know if it's as, I, I hate to say it as cold, but the next person up, I guess, is what they have to do. Well, you know, they did release Willie Sneed the week before. Um, I don't know if they go back after him. Or even I've heard some rumors they're, they're probably going to make a play for Deshaun Jackson, depending on how much he wants. Um, but, you know, they're, they've got to replace somebody who has the speed to take the top off the defense. Because when you look at it, now they've got Zay Jones, Hunter Renfro, Brian Edwards, and I think that's pretty much the list yeah. of the receivers. You know, so, they, you know, they they got to have a couple more. and They're back to them being somewhat depleted uh, on, on that side. But I, I think they'll address it, especially by making – the roster move will release and was they opens up a spot where maybe they can go out there and make a play for a receiver. And then when we last talked to, there was some injury concern a little bit with Jacobs and Simpson. You yeah. weren't too concerned about Simpson. Apparently he's back to practice. So was Jacobs. Hopefully Waller will be able to go. That would round out the offense, but you're right. That, that speed on the outside is something they're going to have to look to add if they can. Yeah, no doubt about it. They've got to find a way to, to address it because what rugs did, on opposing defenses is much like what you see with Tyreek Hill and the Chiefs and the other speedy receivers. He's able to take the top off, and you got to keep a safety deep, which takes the safety out of the box. And that was opening up a lot of passing lanes for for Derek Carr. And then when when teams would would approach it or try to change up, and they would go zero coverage, then you could take a strike with rugs over the top, like they did so many times this season. So it's the Giants next. They've been extra time to prepare for them. Uh, they they have a short week. They played Monday night. Actually battled the Chiefs. Um, I, I felt like it was more of an indictment on the Chiefs, but uh, this Giants team is not great. Doesn't mean they can't beat the Raiders. Uh, what are you looking at as some important things the Raiders have to do this week to make sure they win against the Giants? 
Well, I mean, I think you need to handle business and be professional on the road. You know, sometimes these trips back east have not been kind to the Raiders. Uh, last year when he went back and played the Jets, they almost lost that game before narrowly pulling it out. Uh, any team on any given Sunday can be dangerous and can, be, and, and can beat someone else. So I think they need to have that level of professionalism and have to just downplay the distractions. I mean, the Gruden situation is still hovering um, because you have an interim head coach and, and Rich Passaccia, but until that title is removed, you got to question um, your future, the possibility of your future, especially if you're a lot of guys in the locker room that are dealing with one- or two-year contracts because Gruden was the one who brought you in. So there's got to be things that are hovering like that over your head. But with that being said, being in a 5-2 and two record, being in the position they are, they have an opportunity to go out there and really set a standard the second half of the season. I'm one of those guys who are eager to see how they handle it or what they do because the last couple of seasons, the second half has not been kind to them. Um, they haven't they haven't done it professional, so I'm waiting to see how they finish, see if they can if they can finish as well as they started. Yeah, they actually got a, a decent weekend last weekend with the Chargers losing as well, so they have sole possession right now. Um, so they have control of their own destiny here. This is a game they don't want to let slip. You talked about kind of going back east. You've had to do that it, for for California teams that move east. Is that body clock as much of an issue as as it sometimes seems to be? You know, the way they, that they, I've, I've heard the Raiders have addressed it is that they've been practicing more in the morning and less in the afternoon. And that, that works twofold. When you go for a back east game, then your body is, is, is not as, um, what is it, uh, the, the best way, it, it's not as put off by waiting for the afternoon. Like, I remember when we practiced, we'd already practice in the afternoon. We had, we had morning meetings, practice in the afternoon, and then we're done. But, but I've heard the team has been practicing more in the morning at the facility. So that helps when you go, say, for a 10 a.m. game or whatever it is because you're used to being on the practice field or being on the field by then. So I, I think the way they've altered their schedule has really helped them. Talking with Lincoln Kennedy here, his weekly visit with us on Sports 1140 KHDK. Uh, in the division, the Broncos did win last week, but they made a big move on the trade deadline, moving Vaughn Miller to the Rams. I, I want to do with that part first with him to the Rams because – you know, thought process is Aaron Donald gets doubled, if not tripled every time. Now maybe Von Miller has more one-on-one matchups on the edge. How, how dangerous now do you see that Rams defense becoming? Well, that, that, that definitely, you know, escalated. You know, that, they've got not just Aaron Donald. They've got a couple of rushers on, uh, on that, that team that know how to generate pressure on a quarterback, and that's a pressure package. Adding Von Miller just adds an added dimension. Heck, I'm I'm glad he's out of the division, so you don't have to see him twice. But you know, for the most part, I think this puts the Rams right up there. I mean, look for what it's what it's worth. Um, and and I, I I said this the moment the Rams got Matthew Stafford, I've already put them in the NFC Championship game, yeah. and I think they're on their way to win and win right now. That's how close that roster is. Making a quarterback adjustment the way they did with Matthew Stafford and now adding that that vital piece on the defense. I mean, this is a high impact. This is a team that can go far. And I think they're going to challenge for the NFC. So I'm very impressed with what they've done. You know, Lincoln, you can speak to this better. I said this on the show yesterday, and I believe it, but you would know being, you know, you lived it, you were in locker rooms and played. Um, when you trade for, let's use the Von Miller example. So you're a Rams player and you trade for Von Miller while you stay on the team. And what's been lost is future draft picks. To me, as a player, I would think future draft picks are guys that could potentially take my position. But if you're adding Von Miller and I already play another position, that front office is telling me we're going for it. And I feel like that that galvanizes everybody. It feels like there's a recharge. Yeah, we're losing future picks, but those are nameless, faceless people now. We're going for it. I feel like you charge up the locker room. 
Well, look, you, you make a trade for an older quarterback in Matthew Stafford. You give up your young quarterback who was once upon a time your franchise quarterback. You make plays. I mean, they had Deshaun Jackson on, on, the, the, uh, on the roster for a while. They, they released him. Guys like that. The way it goes to me right now is that it's a very short window in order to win and challenge for a championship. Um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers mainly did it. When they went out, they got Tom Brady, and he added people like Gronkowski and Antonio Brown to the roster. These aren't spring chickens. Hmm. These are older guys. These are veteran guys. So the Rams did a very similar thing. With them already having a high-impact defense coming out of the season, I said they're a quarterback away from making plays. And then they went out and got Matthew Stafford. Now, they had some injuries in the backfield, which kind of disrupted their, their overall flow. But they're still a pretty good doggone football team. Adding someone like Von Miller who can have added pressure, because the key is that you want to be able to generate pressure with four guys. Now, you can't double Aaron Donald and double Von Miller, and then I think that somebody else is not going to be able to get to the quarterback. Uh, rushing those four guys or putting them in a position to rush, I mean, he can play the run well, he can play the pass well. Um, that, that's just a high impact. But that also shows me the front office general manager and ownership is making a play for a Super Bowl title now. Yep. We're not trying to put it on the draft, you know, draft choices or drafting better in the future. Um, as we look kind of Lincoln at the, the scope of the AFC, it's been a little bit tricky lately because it seems like every time someone highlights a team, they stub their toe. Chargers were kind of that hot team for a while. They've lost two in a row. Bengals get that huge win two weeks ago. They lose to the Jets. Uh, Ravens have lost their most recent game. Titans winners are four in a row, but they lose Derrick Henry. Uh, the AFC, it feels open. And here are the Raiders, 5-2, and two, still in first. I don't know how great they are, but it, it still looks like everything's right in front of them. Everything they want to achieve is still out there. There's parity in professional sports. You know that because you cover it a lot. It doesn't matter what you're talking about. Baseball, look what the Braves did yeah. after having a losing record after the, you know, the All-Star game. So there's parity in sports. So any given, team, any given time, any team can, can go down. Nothing is for, given. That's why, you know, for the Raiders specifically, their biggest chore was beating the teams that they should have beaten. Mm-hmm. You know, they last year they, they barely won against the Jets. They they end up losing to Kansas City and then they followed up by losing to the Atlanta Falcons. Well, they should have beaten the Atlanta Falcons. You can sit there and say what you want about the Chiefs, but they should have beaten the Atlanta Falcons. They're a better team. So this is the year where they have to overcome that. They let one slip away when they played flat against the Bears. I thought they were a better football team than the Bears. But they took care of business against the Broncos and the Eagles. Now we've got the Giants, mm-hmm. and we've got the rest of the schedule going forward in the Kansas City Chiefs. If they take care of business, I've said all along, I believe the Raiders are a playoff-caliber team. I'm not going to sit there and annoy them and say they're a Super Bowl championship team, much like the Rams are talking about. But I do think they're a playoff-caliber team. And the thing is, is once you get into the playoffs, anything is possible. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one other thing kind of league-wide that broke earlier today uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, the Packers had to deal with uh, playing last week without their top three receivers with COVID issues. Now it's Rodgers testing positive. We know COVID has hit the world, certainly, but, man, for the NFL to have a high-profile player that seemingly, I said, was vaccinated, now there's questions whether he was. Um, not a good look for him or for the league. Not a good look, um, especially when you talk about the current climate of everything. Look, I, I'm not trying to decide anyone's health protocol but when you sit there and say or let stuff come out that you were immunized and you actually weren't vaccinated i don't even know what the hell that means but right. he, he, he obviously he said he received some other different treatment and he thought that he, he he couldn't catch it now that he's down he's down for at least what at least a week maybe 13 days depending on how the severity is so i mean this is one of those issues where i'm just telling guys i don't know why 
if you if you want to work and you want to go out there and continue to play, mm-hmm. just take care of business, take care of yourself. I don't even know how that happens. Yeah, bizarre. Bad, like I said, bad look for for them, yeah. for him. But we'll see. the 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 games will go on. The Raiders will go on. Got a trip to New York this week. Lincoln will be listening to the broadcast. Uh, any college for you this weekend? Yeah, I've got a um, I've got Cal versus Arizona in Tucson, so I'm going to be. Wait a minute, how you doing that? <laughs> it's called driving all over the place and flying red eyes. So, <laughs> wow, man, so that is that late night? That can't be late night Saturday, is it? No, no, it's actually no, it's actually Saturday during the day. It's one of the early games. So I'm gonna I'm, after I do the silver and black stuff on in, uh, in Vegas on Friday, fly back here, drive down to Tucson <laughs> from Phoenix. And then get the red eye uh, Saturday night uh, for the game on Sunday. Hopefully, you sleep, do you sleep on the plane? Okay. No, I don't <laughs> sleep on the plane. Man, you'll catch up Sunday yeah. night, I guess. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. And hopefully, hopefully the Raiders give me something good to talk about because Brent likes to control the show anyway. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, we'll be listening Sunday morning back here. It'll be midday for you in New York. Uh, yeah. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week, Lincoln. Sounds good. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Man, I think about that at the end there with Lincoln. Um, his, his Saturday and Sunday call. I mean, I love it. I love that. I love calling games. I love the travel of the hectic nature of the sport, um, of doing a college game on a Saturday, basically West coast ish. And then having to go to uh, cross country, red eye call the giants and the Raiders, man, that's fun. That'll be absolutely fun, but he'll be tired, but that's what you do. That's the kind of work I think about, you know, right here locally, Mark Jones. I mean, he is everywhere. He is going to tonight. He's going to be doing the Warrior game on ESPN. He's got college football this weekend. He's got King's duties. Uh, I know G-Man used to do that a ton, where he was traveling with racing. He used to do NFL. I mean, that's it's part of the journey. I love it with uh, Sac State and juggling the Kings. And um, if you love it, it's the best, right? I had a, I was lucky enough, privileged enough last week to talk to a a class via Zoom, uh, kind of a. Um, you know, almost like a job, not a job awareness, but get to know you, what you do at your job, what can it benefit other, you know, that, that kind of thing. And my message basically to the class was, if you could get into a line of work that you love, you've made it because every job has their things, whatever that is, whatever all of you out there listening right now, there's something that you dread or you don't like paperwork or a coworker or just something about the job that can make it feel like a job. Ugh, I have to do this. Well, this is a situation where you love it. I love it, and it doesn't always feel like work. There's always a quirky thing here or there, but when it's covering games, doing games, talking sports, man, that's why I wanted to do it, and that's why I'm doing it. I'm lucky enough to be able to still do it, and so that was kind of the message to them. And uh, In moments like that, I like to talk about that. Maybe some of you out there don't even care, but I'm I'm enthralled by kind of the travel schedules and having to get here and there and the prep and – to me, that's part of the journey of of why this is so much fun. And then the games that you know I talk about, that I predict, or I think this opinion on this team is going to win, and then it changes. It's the beauty of sports. I do think the Raiders will beat the Giants this week. That's not a given, right? I mean, what are the? I don't. Let me look up the point spread. Raiders are favored by three, so it's not that significant of a point spread. I, if I'm picking, I'm picking the Raiders. But the Giants have won a couple games. They can easily beat the Raiders. I think that's what makes sports so much fun. We were talking about the Kings earlier in the show about Utah. I love the way they played against the Jazz. Loved it. Jazz were the favorite. Jazz are better. But the Kings played really well. And I think that's part of the charm of all of this is is getting yourself prepared for it, like Lincoln does, like Mark Jones, like G-Man, whoever it is out there. And 
having a, a, a thought of how the game might go, and more times than not, they don't fall exactly in line of how you think it might go. A trend, this team is great at rebounding, this one's bad. Oh, the bad rebounding team won that night uh, on rebounds. Or a good rushing team, uh, this other team, oh, they're not going to be able to stop the run at all, and then they do. But it's passing that gets it done. You just you just don't know. And I think that's part of the charm of, of games, of thinking, uh, having opinions on these things, and then things can certainly be swayed. Now, tonight, a lot of things are pointing to in favor of the Sacramento Kings when they get ready to take on this New Orleans Pelicans team that's been struggling, still without Zion. Uh, they didn't have Ingram the last couple of games. Uh, they're going through a tough time, but the Kings have to be on their game tonight trying to get their first home win. We're going to talk more about that with Daniel Salerson. He covers the Pelicans. He's a pre-half and post uh, host. He'll be at the game tonight here at Golden One. He's also their radio analyst. Let's get a little more perspective on what's going on with this Pelicans team right now, including a new coach and the new players. We'll do that when we return right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. All right, tonight at Golden One Center, Sacramento Kings basketball. Kings looking for their first home win of the season. They're 0-2 at home, played the fewest games in the league, and they're getting a second crack at the New Orleans Pelicans, who they were able to defeat on their last road trip. But uh, let's get a little more perspective on this Pelicans team with Daniel Salerson, who does uh, pre, half, post, radio analyst work as well. Daniel, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, are you healthy? I am healthy. Uh, I might be suiting up tonight. Uh, we're not <laughs> sure yet. We'll find out in a couple hours. But I started my stretches immediately when we landed uh, from Phoenix last night, and we'll see if it all plays out. Man, it's been a rough go for you guys. But then I also think about last night. You didn't have um, – you know, Zion's obviously been out. You didn't have another huge piece to what you guys do in Brandon Ingram. And at one point, midway through the second quarter, I'm watching the Kings game. I'm looking at you guys as well. I go, wait, Phoenix is down 20 to New Orleans. So what happened to build a 20-point lead and then unfortunately uh, watch it uh, fall apart a little bit? They forced a ton of turnovers on Phoenix early on. The defense was really good um, in the first half. We're putting a lot of pressure on uh, Chris Paul. Devin Booker was having a hard time thanks to Herbert Jones, who is our second-round pick that's been able to start for seven of the first eight games. Um, and so that was getting us in transition and able to score on the fast break, which was really helping uh, the defense not really get set for Phoenix. And so it was a, almost a 20-point lead. Then Phoenix, of course, made a run, got it to 11 at halftime. But what's been a trend for this team is the second half is just things kind of unravel on both sides of the ball. Um, defensively, just weren't able to stop Chris Paul guy going the pick and roll that he's able to do, whether you, you hedge him or drop and he hits you with the mid-range, that was what Chris Paul was doing. You also lost Herb Jones in the third quarter as he got elbowed by his own teammate, Jonas Valanciunas, by accident, of course. Um, but after that, um, the Suns outscored the Pelicans 62-39, to and the Suns shooting almost 60%. So it's crazy to think that a 35th, round pick, 35th pick overall can make such a difference, but the way Herb Jones has played defense, uh, that kind of set the tone. The momentum changed as soon as he went out. So this is a game two of your four-game road trip. You still have the Warriors. You still have Dallas. Um, it, it's so hard to really evaluate the team, right, without Zion, without Ingram in the last couple of games. Um, you'd like to see the whole and see what they really are, but right now at one and seven, it's not lost, but it's sliding. How Kind of where is the mindset and kind of the mentality of the team as it's hit this a tough start? Well, they're going to have to start, you know, they, this team, the one thing that you can say about this team is they play very hard, and that's been in practice under Willie Green. That's been in games. So the, the thing has not been from lack of effort. It's just been lack of execution. But you're right. 
I mean, with that schedule, you do not want to go home one and ten because let's say you start getting healthy in two or three weeks with Zion back and Brandon Ingram back. Um, this happened two years ago. The Pelicans started six to twenty-two uh, in a thirteen-game losing streak, and it took them a lot to try to get back in it. And we're getting close to getting back in it until COVID hit and then the lockdown, and they were able to get the invite to the bubble. Um, but that's that's the crucial thing about this road trip is you know you, you had a game in hand last night you were in control for most of it now you're facing a team on a back to back but the Kings are also on the back to back but this is where these these guys are gonna have to step up and and who's hungrier tonight is the main thing in Sacramento I know is trying to get the 500 the Pelicans are trying to just get some sort of momentum heading into a tough game on Friday so yeah uh, you know you don't want to say it's over so early but you know a few more losses on this road trip. And, and one in ten is going to look pretty tough in the Western Conference trying to get back in it once Zion gets back. Daniel, have your new additions fit in statistically? I mean, we've seen a double double machine for Valanciunas. Graham seems to be a nice fit. I, I know you want the full totality of the roster, but they're asked to do a lot right now. How have those two uh, new faces helped out? They fit in really well, and I think Graham it'll only get better again. Zion just helps so much as far as open up things. Uh, for some shooters, and that's what Devontae Graham is. He's been a little streaky as far as the shooting. He'll have some games that he's four for six from three or three for six, and, you know, the last few games for him, um, he's been shooting uh, 26.7% from three in his last six games. So it's a little bit streaky there for him, but he's been a great asset, averaging 17 points per game, and Jonas has been unbelievable. 20 points per game, 14.5 rebounds. I mean, he's been the best offensive player we've had when Brian and Ingram is not on the floor as those two have kind of been the catalyst for this team, he can rebound, he can shoot, he's been able to hit threes, he's six for 12. So those additions have been great, but you haven't seen the full complement yet. And I think that's what's so tough to figure out with this team under Willie Green is there was so much turnover from last year. And your starting lineup was pretty much turned around. You're having to learn from these guys that you might not be playing with in the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think the tough part is adjusting to all these different injuries. And now with Herb Jones out too, you have to adjust again tonight. When the team is fully right, everybody's there. Who's more important to the Pelican success, Zion or, or Ingram? Uh, it's so tough because they're both really talented. But I think Zion, just for the way teams have to game plan against him, because Zion can run the point, which you saw a little bit last year with Point Zion, um, but is able to tr- penetrate in the paint and it causes so much, you know, for the defense to start collapsing that it's supposed to open up things for shooters. And the one thing last year the Pelican struggled with was outside shooting, and they did pick up a couple players to help out with that with Devontae Graham. They drafted Trey Murphy, who was a really good shooter out of Virginia. He picked up Garrett Temple, who's been pretty solid from three so far this season. But, you know, defenses don't have to focus on that when, you know, you don't have Zion on the floor. And I think that's where Zion's impact can make, especially when the Pelicans are having a hard time closing out games. If you take out the two best players on any team, and Zion and B.I., who do you go to to close? I think that's the problem that the Pelicans are running into is the fact that they're not able to close games because who's their go-to player? Is it Jonas who's playing 35 minutes a game and is gassed by the end of it? Is it Devontae Graham? It's just been a challenging part, and you don't want to use injuries as an excuse, but there, there is some reality as the Pelicans need some help with their two missing stars, and hopefully you start getting them back soon. Daniel Salerson of the Pelicans Radio Network pre-half post, analyst work as well. Um, you mentioned Garrett Temple. We're huge fans of Garrett here in Sacramento. Had a couple of different runs here. Hopefully, have you had a chance to really get to meet him? He's just one of the great human beings in this world. He is. I've had a chance to talk to him a couple times, and I can listen to him all day, whether it's talk <laughs> basketball. He cares about you as a person. Yep. Um, he, he's just great. And you can tell when watching him on the bench, I watch him in huddles. 
He's holding players accountable. He feels like he's a coach on the floor. You see some of those players like the Rajon Rondas. You feel like you just have another coach on the floor with you. That's Garrett Temple. I think he's the perfect fit for this team filled with a lot of young talent that, um, you know, especially in this rocky situation, I think Garrett Temple's the perfect guy to have. And, and we absolutely love him here. He's back home, you know, went to LSU, Baton Rouge native. I think he's happy to be home. So, um, and he, he has a great relationship with Willie Green. So, yeah, we're really enjoying Garrett Temple down in the home. How about Coach Willie Green? It's unfair to judge him right now through eight games. He's got to get a lot more, uh, you know, games under his belt. But his first run at this being a head coach, you'd love to see the full roster there. But what have you seen from him? What do you, what do you think he might be in this league? He's definitely building some great relationships with his players. Um, and I think that goes a long way, something that I think kind of lacked a little bit last year with understand Van Gundy, but also is a little tougher with COVID and how that situation went. But, um, you know, we get to go and watch practice every day. And the one thing I could say is the energy is there, no matter if they're on a losing streak or just starting training camp, the energy has been there every day and they love playing for Willie Green. And I think, um, you know, Willie's going through some growing pains. I think some of it is just, from the fact that he hasn't had a full complement of roster. So it is hard to judge him on the X's and O's until you get your full complement. But as far as his character, as far as his leadership and being there for the guys, I think he's a perfect fit for New Orleans. We certainly enjoy having him off the court. And uh, I think, you know, once you get these players back, uh, hopefully he can turn things around. But we love Willie here. Daniel, you saw the Kings last week firsthand uh, Friday. A um, couple different runs in the game helped the Kings, but they certainly couldn't get separation. That was all the way down to the end. Kings won by four. Uh, your thought on, on seeing Sacramento firsthand, what do you think about the Kings? Yeah, I think they're a really talented team. We got to talk to Kyle Draper earlier on our podcast. I think the biggest thing for the Kings is the offensive talent is there. I think it's whether they can put it together defensively. And look, the Kings have had a really tough schedule to start this season here. You know, you have a four-game road trip and come home on a back-to-back. I mean, who does that? So that's a tough start for the Kings. But they've been able to manage three and four. And you're doing this also with De'Aaron Fox struggling, who has absolutely killed the Pelicans in the past. So, we're very fortunate to hold them to just 23 points after yeah. averaging almost 41 against the Pelicans last year. But the, the one guy that I really have liked and really enjoy watching him play, and he's been a pest, I think, is Rashawn Holmes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what he did against the Pelicans, 21.6 rebounds. You know, he, you know, he's not the tallest center, but he can run. And I think the matchup with Jonas Valanciunas, I think, is going to be one of the biggest ones because Jonas is kind of the go-to right now for the Pelicans. Rashawn Holmes, you know, is not, again, the strongest as far as matching up with Jonas, but the quickness from Holmes is going to what is really going to have Jonas adjust to him tonight as well. And, of course, Tyrese Halliburton and Harrison Barnes is having a career year already. Um, the Sacramento Kings team is pretty solid, and, you know, they, they showed it the other night against New Orleans. I think they're going to be one of these teams that, that contends for a play-in and a possible playoff spot if they continue this. Yeah, well, it's going to be fun to see how this shapes up, certainly well, hopefully when you guys uh, get healthy. Uh, Kings want to see if they can get their first home win tonight. Daniel, thank you so much for giving us some insight on New Orleans, and we'll see you at the game this evening. Yep, looking forward to it. Thanks, Jason. That is Daniel Salerson joining us here. Uh, we appreciate his time, and uh, we'll see what the Pelicans have in store for the Sacramento Kings tonight. But I think the Kings can look at the game last week, last Friday. It really wasn't that long ago, and there were a couple of different runs in that game, as we alluded to with Daniel there, that really could have – extended this thing and back to what we've talked about earlier in the show about maybe some current trouble spots with this team get them in transition I think the Kings are playing better defense if they can continue to rebound effectively enough in some of these games then maybe they can get some of these early runouts we mentioned it yesterday when the Kings were playing Utah that they just do not allow that they do the take foul they're not gonna let you get in transition Kings only had one fast break point against Dallas they need to get out and move 
that's going to help De'Aaron Fox. The Kings are a top five transition team. They're in the bottom 10 in the half court. That's not their strength. Games that are close end up getting into the half court. So tonight would be an ideal night, an ideal night to have one of those great shooting nights, to have a night where you can get to a lot of the bench players and just play well. I mean, you've got a team that's wounded, and that's a scary team in the NBA, a team that's desperate for a win, a team that probably had one of those type games yesterday, to be honest, in Phoenix when they're up 20 against a good Suns team, but they're up 20 in the first half and ultimately lost. That's that hurts. That's a tougher, tough one to go to. And on game two of now your four game road trip tonight, um, they'd love to get one back. They've seen the Kings. They're pretty fresh with what, how they remembered how the Kings played them. But uh, the Kings had their runs in that game against the Pelicans that felt like it could have really extended the game. Like they did late in the first half and had a double digit lead at halftime. But then in the third quarter, they're trailing Kings had that, what nine, 10 point lead late in the game. And before long, it's a one possession game with 15 seconds to go. So, the Kings have little bits of slippage. They can't afford to do that. Let's get them going. Let's get behind this home crowd. Um, let's start winning some home games for this team. That's what this team needs and get themselves to 500 and work themselves back up. I like where they are. I like the way they're playing. I like the compete level. I think that's something Coach Walton talks about. Now we're talking about the nuance, the little things that have to get better. And it's not glaring. I mean, the, gla- the most glaring thing I think for everybody right now is De'Aaron. And I expect that to get better. Um, you know, a couple of schools of thought talking to other people around the league. He's gotten bigger, obviously, and maybe there's an adjustment there. These aren't excuses. We're trying to find the reasons. Because De'Aaron's resume is better than this. Um, also heard he did a lot of individual work this summer. One, to get bigger and stronger. Maybe he didn't play as much with other guys, with five on five, as much. Um, fouls are being called differently this year. I think that's better. Maybe not for De'Aaron. So it's it's a little things, but in the end... Teams are going to continue to go under the screen on him. Teams are going to continue to allow him to shoot because his secret power, his best weapon is his ability to with speed and to get to the basket. And until he starts to make jump shots, that's how he's going to be defended. And the other part that hasn't happened as much, he's been playing off the ball more. And if De'Aaron's ultimate, you know, as Daniel was saying just a few moments ago, how much he crushed the Pelicans last year, he had some amazing games against New Orleans. A lot of that was with the ball in his hand. Well, there's got to be a reason there. it's without in his hands more times than not right now. Maybe Coach Walton and the staff thinks that's for the betterment of the team. But even if it's to get De'Aaron going, is this a game to put the ball in his hands more? Something to think about, but uh, something to watch certainly is De'Aaron. And uh, I'm not too worried, but it's a few more games are going on here. And, you know, it's still early. But if we're still talking about this in 10, 15 games, yeah, uh, we're worried. This feels a little bit more than than a slump right now. But we'll see. It can change tonight. All right, we'll come back. we got more to get to, including at the top of the hour. Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com will join us. We're getting you closer to game night with the Kings and the Pelicans. Scott Marsh and the High Flyer Henry Turner will have that. We'll continue with more right after this on Sports 1140 KHDK. We're back here on Sports 1140 KHDK. As thanks again to Daniel Salison for joining us, giving us some thoughts on the New Orleans Pelicans. We had Lincoln Kennedy earlier this hour as well. Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com is going to stop by for his weekly Wednesday visit. That's coming up at the top of the hour. Again, it's Kings and Pelicans tonight here at Golden One Center to start a four-game homestand for Sacramento. Back-to-back for both teams. As we look forward to that, we'll have game night at 530 um, NBA tonight, uh, taking a look at the, the schedule, and the scoreboard. you got the Cavs 
uh, taking on the Blazers. And, you know, we've been talking about De'Aaron Fox's struggles. We played that audio yesterday of Dame Lillard. His season has gotten off to a really slow start. Uh, they are down by 12 on the road. Uh, the Blazers are in Cleveland. Knicks and Pacers. Pacers up in that one. Pacers will be here on the weekend. Celtics and Magic, uh, we were talking the other day about Boston and kind of the turmoil they have going on in their locker room uh, with, um, you know, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown, the three longest tenured Celtics, and, and really some concern with ball movement uh, so far with uh, coming out of that locker room. Some of the comments from Marcus Smart the other day. Sixers lead the Bulls early. You got the Raptors and Wizards and other games. Uh, Chris, and you got your linear championship tonight, the Nuggets and the Grizzlies battling. See if that one can uh, change hands or not. Searching for fish. That's right. Uh, that one will be coming up a little bit later. Uh, two good teams, certainly in the West. Clippers and Timberwolves, Mavericks and Spurs, and also the Hornets and Warriors. Remember, the Hornets are here on Friday. Some other news to kind of recap the day and reset it from uh, what you may have missed earlier on. Uh, Buster Posey. Looks like there's going to be a press conference tomorrow, and he's going to likely announce the retirement of really a great career. All with one team, all very productive, kind of a – uh, for baseball, a shorter career, still 12 productive years, right, uh, the totality of his career, uh, three World Series, plenty of honors and accolades, and, and acknowledged as one of the great giants of all time. I think he ended with 1,500 career hits and many moments and three World Series titles, and this year just a banner season for him on the comeback trail and for the season and for the team. Just a, an amazing, amazing year, and, and um, you know, a lo- so much was made while Buster was going through this journey of, uh, how many games is he playing a catcher? Is this what's it going to be like at the end of his career? Or his knees going to be able to handle that? Well, you don't really have to worry about that. Looks like he is uh, going to call it quits officially tomorrow. And you know, was he going to finish his career as a DH or a first baseman or something like that? Well, it looks like uh, he is going to call it uh, quits tomorrow. Also, the news from the NFL, which we'll talk more about with Chris Landry at the top of the hour. Aaron Rodgers uh, out because of COVID nineteen. Unfortunately, was not vaccinated. And uh, they said the earliest he can now return will be a week from Saturday. So, yeah, he's going to be out for a while there, and he's missing a high-profile game with the Chiefs uh, this weekend. We'll have Thursday night football tomorrow and the new week of action uh, around the NFL. All right, before we get to the top of the next hour with Chris Landry, we're going to get the crossover in here from the morning show. What's happening on the Carmichael Dave Show? Let's find out right now with the crossover. Here's today's crossover. Jason Ross, it was 25 years ago today. The late, great Kobe Bryant made his debut for the Lakers. You know, not not a great debut, six minutes, no points. But my question to you is, what is the most memorable, memorable debut of any athlete in any sport that you can remember? Uh, good question, Jay. I think it's, to me, it's LeBron. I think not only what the hype was for him, the fact that for us it was here at Arco. And he was great. I still remember. So, you know, you you make comments. You may have opinions on players before you even see him play, which is completely unfair. But I remember one of the things I thought was, okay, obviously he's a phenom and he's getting a lot of attention. He's on the cover of Sports Illustrated. And he's playing on these national games on ESPN. And Dick Vitale's calling his games. I thought, well, there's no doubt he's going to be good. But wait till he gets into the NBA and he's playing men. And I remember the first game when Doug Christie was guarding him, and I went, "Oh my, he's bigger than Doug." Uh oh. Um, and he was 18, and he's obviously a lot bigger now than he even was then. So to me, it was it was that game. And then LeBron did not disappoint the way he played in his first game ever, and certainly what he did um, since then. I mean, a guy to get that much hype, it's really really rare. 
for someone to uh, surpass that. And LeBron has. And so I would say it's LeBron. Though I did see on social media today what was uh, circling a little bit too was Kevin Garnett's first game. I heard the G-Man on the call with Derek Dickey. That was some good times. I do remember that. I remember that one well because I actually was in the locker room with Kevin Garnett and uh, posed a question about going four for four in your first game. And he genuinely said, I didn't miss a shot. He didn't know he didn't miss a shot. He was four for four in his first game. I had that audio for a long time. I don't know where that went. But I do remember that game just personally talking to him. And uh, he was his opener was at uh, Arco Arena, his first game as a pro. But, yeah, to answer the question, I think it's LeBron. That was the most anticipated opener. And uh, he was he was amazing, and he continues to be still at this time, which is honestly amazing how uh, how great he still is. All right, that's it for well, this oh, hour. Oh, you don't want to know what mine was? Oh, yeah, Chris, what, what was yours? I mean, I would say debut of, I don't know, 256 yards and four touchdowns, no interceptions. That's a pretty amazing debut. Uh, who would that be? That would be one Patrick Mahomes. So was that in the final game of that year? He didn't, he didn't play any time before that? Uh, yeah, it was his first start. A first start. Well, that's pretty good. Pretty good. On his way to what? Ten Super Bowls. Got the first one, uh, the hard one out of the way. The hard one. That's right. Only nine to go. Only nine to go. All right. When we come back, Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com. He will join us. And, of course, game night's coming your way with Scott Marsh and the high flyer Henry Turner at 530 for Kings and Pelicans as we continue here on Sports 1140 KHDK.